how to rebalance your life with specific emphasis upon health. Now, I may give a little bit in the area of explaining how to rebalance in relationships and your career because that's connected to your health. But we're going to start with the basics. We're all here to try to see if we can, by modifying our behavior, change our lifestyle. It's non-medical. It's based upon changing our diet to a clean, healthy, plant-based diet, a healthy vegan diet. Additionally, it's how we deal with stress. Do we personalize issues that come at us and therefore feel hurt and, and overwhelmed with emotion, especially if it's unrequited and there's no place for us to express ourselves, no one interested in hearing it? Or are we able to take in people's constructive insights and information and say, okay, it's just information. I don't have to overreact to anything. If there's anything of value in it, I can change because of it and getting ourselves into an exercise routine. Now, over the years, since 1975, on July 4th, when I began my first Natural Lift Walking Club meeting, I've helped about 30 to 32,000 individuals complete the New York City Marathon. And I've had a lot of coaches. Those people had to first complete three marathons and some smaller races to qualify to be a coach, like John Q and uh, Dolores Perry and others. But on the first day I mentioned we're going to do a marathon training and we've got six months to get in shape, no matter what your condition today, you will absolutely finish the marathon. And the first day we might have six, seven, eight hundred people show up in Central Park at 90th Street and 5th Avenue. And I explain everything and we just go out for a simple walk for a mile and back. And even that is too much for a lot of people, and hence they don't come the next week. And I say, don't concern yourself with where you're at on the, the spectrum of change. You're here. Don't judge yourself by where you're at. Don't limit yourself by what you've been up to this point, because that is not what's going to get you forward. A new mindset creates a new reality, a new sense of being. Everything I can say to get them encouraged in letting go of fear and insecurity and incompleteness, it works for maybe out of 500 people, about 150. The next week, 100 people are not there. The week after, 100 people are not there. The week after that, 100 people are not there. And who's there by the fourth week when we've actually started to go? Short distances, two miles, then four miles, then the next Sunday, six miles. We take our time. We don't rush it. So by the time the marathon comes, they're peaked. So they actually fully peak in the marathon. Other runners, they're peaked in August, in July. You see them burning around, burning around the six miles of Central Park. You hear them say, oh man, I'm tired. All oh, my knees, all oh, my hamstring. A lot of them are running injured because they did not understand balance. Now, a lot of people will eat junk food. They'll carbo load on really just white pasta and white bread because that's the myth. We, on the other hand, we don't carbo-load. We know that running, power walking, biking, tennis, any kind of aerobic act activity will create an abundance of oxidative stress. When you inhale, 
oxygen goes in. That's a good thing. That's necessary. When you exhale, carbon dioxide is created. When you inhale properly, you're getting deeper into the lungs, the oxygen, which means more oxygen in the blood to nurture and carry the blood cells into the, into the cells and so you have better circulation, microcirculation to the brain, microcirculation to the feet. What we do is we have people take comprehensive examinations. We put them through a series of tests on treadmills, cardiovascular stress tests, to see where are you starting your journey? Now, someone's athletic already, which most are. Almost all the people I work with are non-athletic, which is remarkable when you consider how many have become world champions. Sid Howard, Sam Skinner, Louise Nottage, Thelma Wilson. These are legends in national and international sports. They've set records, they're the best of the best. No, they're faster athletes, they're stronger athletes. We did it differently. Just like this anti-aging program, we're doing it differently. We're not starting by saying, well, you've got to take coenzyme Q10 and NAD and you've got to get 35 grams of fiber to 50 grams. Of... That's not where we begin our journey. Because if we did, we would not succeed. How do I know? Well, this directly ties into balance. And this is a very important lesson, especially for those who are doing this program at home. People get very impatient, and the older you get, most of you will be even more impatient, intolerable, and intolerant. Now, that's my personal experience. Now, you may have a different experience, and you could be right. But having counseled tens of thousands of individuals, personally, having dealt with tens of thousands of additional individuals in 44 clinical studies. One study alone had 3,000 people. Another study had 1,500 people. Another study had 500 people. And I did 44. Having done over 400 health support groups with probably 100,000 people over the years. Well, that means that I've had personal contact with, my goodness, over half a million people. So you get some feedback and you get to see that the best people to work with as far as actually changing are younger people. In fact, one of my very first retreats was upstate at the Fertiler Farm back in 1972. And from, uh, from Memorial Day to Labor Day, actually I'd go another month, uh, if the weather was nice, every weekend people would come and they would learn. It was wonderful, very Spartan, very, very basic. That didn't, didn't even have hot water. I had cold water, no hot water. And the accommodations were, well, they were as if you were on a wilderness journey. 99% of people loved it. In fact, most of them chose to come back. And they came back two to three times in a summer. And we would make wonderful meals. In fact, we custom-built picnic tables, and these picnic tables might be 16 feet per table, and we'd have seven tables, and they would all be loaded with different vegan foods. And they would have classes on how to learn how to make natural, uh, natural breads, Essene breads. So all this is what we did. And people absorbed it, and I'd get feedback. Oh, Gary, I'm a vegan now. And oh, I'm starting to exercise. Oh, I'm doing yoga. Rarely did we get a person over the age of 40. And I wondered why. What I found was 
when I went to my first health conference in 1972 at the New York Coliseum, I come around the back door so you can meet all the leaders of the health movement and everyone important, Gaylord Hauser and Dell Davis and Bob Hoffman. Dell Alexander was the big guy. He weighed about 450 pounds and he had arthritis and he was bald headed and he walked with a cane like this. And when he went out on stage, he said, in this hand is the bag that holds the cure for arthritis, baldness, and obesity. And he puts it down. I'm thinking now, what do they sing I'm, I'm not? I see a morbidly obese die, guy near death with everything wrong with him. And the audience is, every word, every word. Share it with us, though. Of course, he never opened the bag. But at the end, he used to come outside and he had all these books, curing arthritis, curing polis, and people bought him. I'm thinking, wow, this is the health movement? And everybody got up and their lectures were about selling something. So at the end of this, all I saw were gray hairs. Every person was a senior citizen. There was no young people. And I thought, well, where is the balance in that? And none of these people, to my knowledge, had any degrees in nutrition or dietetics. None were scientists. That, and so it was easy to make fun of the health movement because none of the qualified people were in the field. And that's when I decided I wanted nothing to do with the health community in America. And to this day, I've had nothing to do with them because they're not healthy. Yeah, and, and they're not going to learn my principles because mine requires some discipline and surrendering bad habits. And they're right. They have enormous audiences because they don't require you to do anything. So guess who wins that? You don't have it. You can eat anything you want. Diet. Hey, I'll, I'll sign up for that. Eat as much as you want. Have a loaf of bread. Have 20 loaves of bread. So what I decided at that point was that I was going to take a completely different approach. I was going to look at what actually happens in a person's day-to-day -day life that can impact their health. And what I began to observe and the feedback I got from all these people over the years was they were living out of balance. Okay, what do I mean? Balance is not, as we might assume, to take all right, the best that's happened to us in our life, the most remarkable positive moments, the passion, the joy, the excitement, and then balance that with the worst that's happened, the tragedies, the crisis, the dramas, the, the pain of rejection or disappointment or betrayal. And then somehow you balance these. That's the current notion of balance. And hence, it doesn't work ever for anyone. Balance is the best you've ever been in your life versus the best you should be in your life whole different notion. You're not going to see it anywhere. And unfortunately, people caught into the New Age spiritual movement, which is, in my opinion, completely bogus. There's no spirituality. It's a lot of money, a lot of, a lot of careers made. But you listen to the information. All you have to do is, is meditate and put your desires out. And the energy goes out. And then everything comes back. And you're rewarded. Buy my book. It's on page 27. How to get anything you want by thoughts. And then you buy the book, you go to page 27, and you follow the advice, nothing comes back except the credit card payment for the book. 
And you see these people on these clown shows where people don't know a damn thing about life. Nothing better than having someone who's morbidly obese virtue shame someone who is trying to get healthy. As an example, and they're not an example of anything except I'm mitigated greed, insecurity, and narcissism. So imagine you begin to trust people who have not shown you that they deserve to be trusted. So where's your standard of identifying balance? How can you take anyone's advice for anything unless by example they show you and prove to you, you can trust me because here's what I've done. Okay, you work for a corporation, fine. What does that corporation make? If it makes pesticides that are toxic and cause cancer, don't virtue lecture me about how we should be concerned about the environment when you're not. So balance is not taking someone who has power or fame or celebrity. And you've all seen the commercials, right? You've seen the commercials of celebrities, but we want to believe it because it's a shortcut, which means that there's no rebalancing our life to have health. All we have to do is, like those people in 1972, sit there and take notes from people who are not qualified, have no experience getting anyone healthy, and they're all unhealthy. The speakers are all unhealthy. The audience is unhealthy. What could possibly go wrong? And yet the people I'm working with, these young people, they're vitalists. Vitalism. Voltaire was a vitalist. Montaigne was a vitalist. Maimonides was a vitalist. Some of the greatest people in the world were vitalists. They meant that you bring in that which revitalizes you and energizes you. Being close to nature, being around people that laugh, having joy in your life, waking up with the curiosity to see what this day brings yesterday did not. Being able to explore, open up your mind and say, what can I do to clear away the cobwebs, get out of my straitjacket that I put myself in and then call myself a victim and actually feel the exuberance of being free to do things. But what if, what if what? What if someone doesn't like what you're doing? What if someone thinks you're in the wrong career, the wrong relationship, living in the wrong place, spending money in the wrong way, having the wrong friends? What if you're not taking care of yourself? That's their business. That's not your business. Your business is decide for yourself, what do I need to do before I begin this journey so I prepare myself and have the tools so I won't be as likely to stop, feel rejected, feel a failure, and then go right back to what I was doing. Boy, this room palpable with anger. But so is everyone at home. Everyone everywhere is bursting with rage, but they have to control it based upon the circumstances of their work and family and expectations. And then it eats them alive. Do you ever think maybe that's why you're sick? Well, that can't be. Because I do meditation and I'm yeah, that's not balance. <clears throat> balance starts when you control your perceptions. 
If you have a perception of yourself that you can't change, you won't. Or you're incomplete. How can I do it? I've never done it. I don't have the tools. No matter how many questions I ask and how many times you answer, I'm still going to have another thousand questions because no question will ever be enough to make me feel confident about the answer in my own life. by your fears, artificial fears. One door is fear. This one's insecurity. That one's shame. And behind you is guilt. Well, exactly how are you supposed to get out of this dynamic of where you're living if every door you open, you're confronted with mythical, non-existent, all in your mind, uh, limits. And feeling angry, grumpy, judgmental, pissed off at the world in the process. Feeling like somehow they've been made a victim of themselves. More often than not. They don't organize, they don't become proactive, uh, and part of that is epigenetic because we've had previous generations that did take care of themselves. Every senior citizen when I was growing up took care of themselves. They prided themselves in what they could do at an advanced age. They never sought the solace of kind hearts and, and friendly gestures of, that. well, we're sorry that you're this old. But, you know, don't exercise, take it easy, you know, don't stress yourself. You don't have to do anything. You worked, you know, for 30 years, 25 years, whatever it is. Now it's your time. No, I didn't know a single person growing up that said that they had a right to stop being vivacious and creative and dynamic when they were, when they were living. And then when they retired, they never retired. You retire and you die. It comes pretty quickly. And science shows that. You have to have passion in order to have a life. Otherwise, you're walking around emotionally zombified. You sequester yourself in a limited environment, and then you protect yourself by your fears, artificial fears. One door is fear. This one's insecurity. That one's shame. And behind you is guilt. Well, exactly how are you supposed to get out of this dynamic of where you're living if every door you open, you're confronted with mythical, non-existent, all in your mind, uh, limits? We are very susceptible to other people's ideas of what we can and can't do. I'll give you an example. There was a study of a bunch of students getting burned with a little soldering iron on the arm to test a miracle healing cream. And sure enough, all the students came in, they filmed it, and they got their little burn, put the cream on, and like that, pain went away, and wow. You know, the burn went away. Miracle cream. These were high-level students. And then they showed them the film. At the moment they were getting the burn, it wasn't a soldering iron, it was a piece of ice. And then, so they saw they were burned. There was an actual burn. They manifested themselves. Then a placebo, a dummy cream was put on, and it was cured. They both created the burn and the treatment. That's how powerful perception, perception is. It's extremely powerful. So you better understand that. Because when you can change your perception, you can change the outcome. So if you feel you can't say something, can't do something, can't 
control something, then you're gonna, your mindset is in resistant position and that can actually turn off the healing DNA. This is a phenomenon we've seen. Resistance and fear, anger and rage, can actually alter your brain and your gut biome and your immune system. So everything that you think that you are self-righteously indignant about, you're killing yourself, fool. You're the dumb one. So be angry at the world. Be pissed off at everything. Be defiant. Be resistant. And you're the one who's going to die faster than anyone else. What are you going to do then when you're on your deathbed? Maybe I shouldn't have had this attitude. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't have. But think of how many people in our society have a really bad attitude. You want to be around those people? Hands up, where you actually actively like to be around people with a pissed off attitude. Let me see your hands. No, be honest. No hands. How many of you at home? How many of you say, oh, what a day. I want to be around some rageful people, self-righteous people. I want to be around people who are so perfectionistic in their emotions, they're willing to judge the whole world and everyone else. I don't think so. That is not, that is not allowing us to express our love, our joy, our happiness, positive intent. So no, and those are the people who will be alone because nobody wants to join their energy. So everything is based upon energy. So your journey has to be, what is your energy today? Because the energy you start a journey with is what you take into your journey. And if you take the wrong energy into your journey, you're going to end up hitting a brick wall and it's over. Your eye is at the exit and you're split and right back and speed it up because part of you gives up and you surrender because, oh, I tried, I tried, it didn't work, it didn't work. What can I say? What can I say? And then you become a victim of yourself. That's how powerful the mind is. And the whole field of epigenetic with thousands of studies proves that. Attitude is what imbalances you. So if you can't change your attitude, I don't care what else you do. Take every vitamin in the world. It will be meaningless. You will not succeed. Take a look at what you've done in your life. Does it work for you? Are you happy and healthy? Are you fit? Are you detoxed? Are you do aging? Are you repairing your DNA? Are you overcoming disease? No, you're not. Or you, would, you wouldn't be here if that was the case. So then the point is, if you're going to learn about changing anything in your life that doesn't work, you have to rebalance your life. I'll give you an example. Let's just say you ask the average person, do you want to be sick? Do you wake up in the morning and say, I wish I had more pain in my joints and hips? Guys, do you wake up saying, oh God, I don't ever want again to get an erection? Is that what you want? Or you wake up saying, I hope I get abused by everyone on the subway today. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that's what you want, right? But then look how you live your life by not establishing standards to other people of what it's going to take for them to be in your life and for you to respect them in your life. What standards do you have and how tolerant are you of those who break those standards because they have some familiarity. And the worst people to ever 
breach the standards of your and sanctity of your being are the people in your family because they don't see you as be, being either unique or special. And so therefore, whatever they want to say, they're they are unfiltered. They just say it without any thought of the repercussions of how you're going to absorb that word without understanding words can be weapons. You can weaponize a vernacular. But think what people say when they want to hurt you. They select their words carefully and repeatedly, just like a machine gun, boom, 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 boom. Both the words and the energy they project are intentional. And what do you do? I'm a martyr, hurt me. I can take it. I'm a better person because I suffer. No, you're a dumber person because you suffer. Uh, and we have a nation of people who have taken on the po political identity that they are somehow an emotional prisoner within the domains of their own existence. So where's their sanctuary? Where's their happy space? Where's their revitalization area? Where can they go? Who can they be with who shares a positive energy? Well, you better look carefully there because that's a part of the perception you better change of who should be in your life. When on New Year's Day every, day, every year, I do the same thing with the people in my life at all levels. I'll call them and say, I'm going through a crisis right now. Just wondered, can I count upon you to help me? Those who pause, I will never speak to again. I block them. Don't argue with them. Those who say, of course, how can I help you? Then I know I've got a true friend. How many times have you thought someone should help you because of your familiarity, what you've shared, and they don't? Right? Then they make excuses. In life, you either do the right job or you make excuses for not. And we're a country, instead of looking what skills it takes to do the right job, which our, which our parents and grandparents did without excuses, under terrible conditions and hardships, we make excuses for everything. As if, as long as I say, sorry, that that washes it. It doesn't. Sorries don't count. And I think as a society, we better start getting used to the idea of when you let someone know, if you screw with me, you will not have a second chance. Is that fair or not? Of course, you're confused, right? Because how many times in your life have you been screwed over, abused, neglected, lied to, manipulated, and you gave them another chance? Hands of people who've been used, abused, and gave people the next chance to do it. Everyone in the room, and probably all of you at home, unless you're a liar. <clears throat> in my life, it's relatively simple. If you're my friend and you betray me, you're not my friend. If you lie to me, I don't want you in my life. You get one chance. That's it. I don't want to hear your excuse of why you chose intentionally and with malice of forethought chose to abuse the trust I'd given you. Now, does that seem harsh? Oh, that's radically harsh in a country that is willing to allow themselves to sleep on a bed of nails while whoever's abusing him is standing on their back, jumping up and down. And you fool, you're acting like, okay, all right, I'll develop cancer because of the stress I'm under, but I don't want to cause a confrontation because maybe there's a God person in that person there who's abusing me and maybe they'll look at me as an angel and they'll redeem my life through my suffering and them saying, I suffer, therefore I am.
Are you getting this? Is this sinking in at all? You understanding what I'm saying? You can't be in balance if balance means being abused, being neglected, being lied to, being used, being manipulated by people you trusted. Then where is the balance? Balance is when you have people in your life that respect you and honor you and show by example and deed and emotion that they deserve to be in your life. And you, in turn, show that you deserve to be in their lives by the positive energy you share. You can have differences of opinion. You can have different issues that you come to in different ways. You can have different realities. But as long as you respect the other person, then they must respect the fact that you can share things but, and, and still maintain your aut autonomy. You don't become absorbed into the life of other people. And how often in our society do you lose your balance as a human being because one day you wake up and you don't know who you are? You're working a job that is not in your best interest because you live in a place that you shouldn't live. You know, someone just told me today, I need a raise. I need $50 an hour raise. Why? I live in New York City. Well, move. Occam's Razor. 14th century theologian and philosopher, cut through all the nonsense, and then you see the answer. It's almost always the simplest answer. Don't get involved in the convolution of every people's triangulated excuses. Well, if you knew where I grew up, if you knew my family, if you knew my tradition, everybody believes that I'm a part of it. I gotta believe like they believe. We all believe the same thing. We're all dysfunctional, we're all terrible, but none of us will acknowledge anything because we suffer. But we know we're not doing right, but we have to continue doing not right because who am I to tell all these other people that they're not right? These are my brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and the people, and we have a collective mindset. We don't trust the individual mindset, you know. Yeah. That's very common in our world. You have no idea how conditioned people are against their own freedom. Try to go to different cultures in the world and say, how free are you? And they've accepted that their freedom is what a man has said they're free to do. Well, then in my opinion, they're not free. If I said that to them, they'd take out a knife and try to stab me, kill me, because I'm a heretic. Do you know that? Do you realize that? You cannot impose your beliefs and your reality upon someone else because they've codified theirs. They've managed to maladapt, and maladaptation immediately imbalances you. How many times have you had people in your family or at work who are obnoxious, you know, who are crude or rude or vulgar, and you all simply say, oh, that's the way she is. I mean, you know, she comes in every morning and complains about everything, and he comes in and you know, he's, he's a complainer too, and we just, we just tune it out. Why? Why? Why are you tuning out something without confronting it? Well, we don't want the hassle. Well, if my peace of mind and my level of stress and my quality to work is based upon having to tolerate someone who is not doing the job, I'd rather work someplace else. I remember once when I was a teenager and I got a summer job at the State Road in West Virginia, and the job was painting, you know, state buildings. So I go there and I got my bib overhauls on, you know, that I work wear on the farm, and and I got a, you know, I went and got the paint buckets and the brushes, got the ladder, got up on the building. I'm painting, all right. And then a guy comes over to me about 15 minutes later, says, "What are you doing?" I said, 
I'm painting. Why? Well, because I was told that the job was for painting. He said, get down. Okay, so I got down. He said, let me explain something. Look around you. Do you see any of these guys working? No. He said, you get it there and work. Someone's going to beat your ass. All right? We'll put a little bit of work in, and we'll make this job last another month. You got eight guys to paint a side of a building, which would take about three hours? Yeah. That's what we do. Don't come in here and do anything that draws attention to yourself. So that night I went to my father and I said, I, I'm confused. I don't understand this. And he said, well, the reality is a lot of people who work for state jobs or city jobs, it's really, they can't be held accountable. They can't be fired unless they do something really egregious. And everybody kind of goes along with it, just like the corruption city politics. Everybody goes along with it. Nobody challenges anything in a small town because the people who are the most powerful in the town have control over the perception everybody has of you. So as long as you don't stand out, you'll be okay. I said, but Dad, I don't want to be living by everyone else's standards. He said, well, that's what this town's about. Now, when I went to graduate, on graduation night, I was coming home, and it wasn't that late, it was about midnight, and I gone to some parties, and I was the only person there who was walking around looking at everybody's face, just kind of looking. So one guy came up to me, Tim Swarn, he said, what are you looking at, Gary? I said, because the probability is you and I are not going to see each other for a long time, maybe at a reunion, but oh no, we're all going to college together. Well, it didn't, wasn't true. A lot of guys were not going to go to college and you would never see them again because they went from being a teenager and told they could do anything and everything was possible to suddenly grow up, you know, now it's time to help, go to work. But again, the illusion was you can do anything, be anything until you hit the real world. Now think if that happened to me back then, what's happening to kids getting out of college, you know, majoring in, you know, French literature and there's no job in the world for them, not even in France. And now they're home in their mother's basement where she's out working and they're watching porn and they're unaware of the consequences of not being proactive and having a positive disposition. Go, go do anything to earn some work. No, no, I'll wait. You're going to wait a long time because you got, you got automation, you got robotics, you got artificial intelligence and transhumanism all coming into being right now and they're going to replace 70% of all American jobs. What are you going to do then? When your mom doesn't have a job and you don't have a job and you're not motivated to go get a job. 55% of all graduates now are unemployed or not employed in anything they were taught because nobody wanted to face if you're going to go into education, what will give you a job likely when you're out? Select one of them. A plumber, electrician, a mason, a glazier, a, a fine draftsman. Those are jobs that are out there and will continue to be out there. Engineering, medicine, nursing, yeah. Everything else, not so much. And so they run up debt and someone has to pay for it and it's the mother or grandmother. But as long as it's not them, they don't care because they don't have any the ambitions. There's no balance there. Now they get depressed. They don't really have friends. They have 3,000 friends you know, on their Facebook, but they have no friends. They have no understanding of history, culture, ethics, 
manners, civics, geography, cultures, and yet they have the whole world on Google, but they have nothing in person. Well, that's a one-dimensional way of looking at life. No balance. So before you can have balance, you have to understand who are you? What are your values? How much of your values are conditioned upon other people's expectations of you? Has everyone told you what you should do and thought for you and you simply accepted that line of energy and you carried it forward? So therefore you're doing something because you don't want to disappoint the people in your life that you looked up to and they don't want to have you disappoint them because they invested so much of their time and energy in you. So one day you've mastered your life, career. You're successful, you're financially stable, and you're empty. I call it the big empty. And that's most of the people I've met because even though they mastered and worked hard at something, it wasn't what they should have. It wasn't their journey. It wasn't their path. It's what their society, their family, and others dictated would be most appropriate, and they followed along. And when you do that, you will succeed at a career, and you will fail as a human being. And then the failure shows that the imbalance is so great, you begin to mal it to yourself. You begun to never finish anything. You begin to overcollect things. You begin to bring the wrong people into your life because this morbid thing that I, I realized is almost everyone that I counsel who has a problem is out trying to save other people who are even worse than them. And so I ask why, and I started to question about your relationships and where you spend your time and who you give to and who you help. The vast majority of these people were trying to redeem the unredeemable, but no one ever tries to help those people who are helping themselves. Now think of that for a moment. We're a society that will bend over backwards to protect the interest of one group that more often than not has self-inflicted a wound upon themselves, as if somehow by doing that, we're a better person. Therefore, we suffer and sacrifice for another person who is suffering, and therefore we're a better person. This is the silent game we play with ourselves. But then look at the people who are really trying everything positive, do the right thing, and are actually doing the right thing, no energy at all. The people who are interested in health, we consider them health nuts and quacks. The doctors trying to really heal and healing people, nut jobs and quacks. The scientists looking at more ways to prevent a disease without a biological model, meaning they're looking at lifestyle, uh, nut jobs, even Nobel Prize winners. So the very people who are opening up a way of rebalancing our imbalances are the ones who are attacked. Stop spending, the economist says. Don't buy what you can't afford, our parents and grandparents says. Repurpose things so we don't just become an obsolescent society and throw it away. And they're considered anti-capitalist and not to be trusted. They probably are Marxists or communists or socialists, certainly. So we tag a moniker of what we want to disempower. So anyone who has the truth is now excluded from all forms and discussions. And those who promote 
inequality, greed, live off suffering of others, use pandemics as a way to get an advantage, use collapse of society to wash away all their sins of omission and commission and how they didn't know a damn thing about the, the economy, and suddenly they're all reinfused with capital, where if you and I make mistakes in the business, we're out of business. And then you have to say, well, where's the balance in the economics of our system that I'm a part of, where you say, we don't want socialism. Okay, that means you don't want public education. You don't want, uh, you don't want a fire department that will come to your house and put out a fire unless you pay for special fire insurance. You don't want the, you don't, you don't want the Coast Guard. You don't want the, the police. You don't want any of the services that we receive that are shared with those people who cannot always afford things for themselves. You don't want to see any of that? What kind, what kind of nonsense? That's imbalancing us. A high-protein diet imbalances us. Eating genetically modified foods poisoned with glyphosate imbalances us. Drinking polluted water imbalances us. Watching reality television imbalances us. Wasting time uh, surfing the internet imbalances us. And yet we think that's normal. So we've normalized imbalance. We've normalized dysfunction. We have actually honored supporting dysfunction. So all of our economists, except a few exceptions, our higher education people are living out of balance. The institutions have betrayed us. So now a person wakes up and unless you're a very strong-willed person who can define your life by what you see as important and you define what your life should be, you're already out of balance because you've connected with the energy, the devitalizing energy, the manipulative energy, the userous energy of every institution that sees nothing of value in you except you're a commodity. When you're healthy, you're a commodity. When you're sick, you're a better commodity. And when you get old, you're a super commodity. All the while, Medicare or Medicaid, people are making money from that. The medical industrial complex, $3.5 trillion a year. But what if you were well? What if you said, no, I'm going to pass up all the pizzas, hamburgers, hot dogs, french fries, the colas, the alcohol. I don't need any of that in my body because it would imbalance. So now you start eating and drinking right juices and healthy foods and the right nutrients. Now, what was out of balance is back in balance. Then you work in trying to take it to a higher level. Right? Now you have energy you didn't have. You have muscles you didn't have. You have endurance and stamina and strength you didn't have. You go from walking one mile in 22 minutes and 12 seconds, as one of the people in our last study did, on the 60th day, I was there, I timed her, she did 26.3 miles, and her last mile was 12.02, race walking. Had she been in a race, state race, she won gold medal in her age group in race walking. That's a fast mile, 12.02 for 70. How did she get from not walking a mile and having a belly to having muscles, ripped muscles, healthy and dynamic, energy galore, because she no longer accepted anything that would create imbalance in her mindset? And it's your mindset that determines whether or not you're going to be healed or grow, not the protocols you have. The protocols are secondary. You have to have a foundation upon which to build protocols. If you don't have a foundation, then 
everything in the world is not going to work for you. And you just keep going down, 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 down. But I take my vitamins and I take this and I do it. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. You will die. And you'll be sick along the way. And you will refuse to change. Because the conditioned mind, the epigenetic mind, has control. You have to go through deep meditation and reflection and introspection and journaling. Do you have control over your authentic self? And you have to create a whole new story for the authentic self. That means you must surrender the highly repetitive story of woe. And that's the story people share. they do every single meeting ad nauseum. If you could live 300 years, they would be every week there saying, oh, you have no idea. Oh, you have no idea. Oh, really? Oh, did it hurt again? Yes. What kind of person, except wanting enabling to appreciate their story, continues to stay in that mindset? Someone who has no intention of changing. They have already over-identified with the gross imbalance not of just a maladaptive, but a completely surrendered self. They have gone way down and they don't intend to get up because their identity comes from who I, who knows their story. Oh, you know, Bob, Bob, well, I know everything about Bob. Bob comes every week and he tells every single thing in his story. Nothing changes and Bob's not going to change. And but we all know Bob's story. Well, what if you stop telling your story of woe? What, and I don't allow people to tell me their story. Now, some of you know me for a long time. Have I ever asked you anything about your background? Never. I don't. Because that is the game that you play. Let's pull them in so we can tell them how we suffer and how we've been abused. Now, how's that supposed to rebalance you? That's all coming from the defensive epigenetic mind. I want to hear what you want to do when you're walking out of this self-imposed prison and you got freedom. Are you going to turn around and go back in? It's too dangerous out there. I'm afraid. Afraid of what? I don't know, but in here I can control myself in the confines of this space, but out there, I don't have any of the tools or support system. I'd rather stay back here and be resistant to everything. So we play it safe. We go for comfort. Comfort imbalances you. Fear imbalances you. Anger imbalances you. Greed imbalances you. Insecurity imbalances you. Maladaptive relationships and work environment imbalance you. Hostile family environments imbalance you. So how many of those have you embraced? Because that's what you become. That's your energy. Do you understand that? You become the energy that you allow yourself to be associated with. But then we have to make excuses. We then start to apologize for the people who should never have been in our lives, the work we should never have done, the things we should not have done. We now have to make an excuse for it. So we make excuses. And hence, what's going to change when you've already made an excuse for all your weaknesses? The weakness is not going to leave. Your perception is not going to leave. And hence, your reality won't leave. And that's why those people who came wanting to do a marathon, 80% of them never did a marathon because their perception was, I can't do this. I will fail. They're judging themselves in the moment instead of looking at what they want to do forward and have no judgment but have results. 
Because in life, you're either going to get results or you're going to have excuses of why you didn't. Now, to have good results, you have to have as your foundation five principles to rebalance yourself. And these are all rebalancing. These are the buoys that will bring you up so you're not drowning and have no judgment but have results. Because in life, you're either going to get results or you're going to have excuses of why you didn't. Now, to have good results, you have to have as your foundation five principles to rebalance yourself. And these are all rebalancing. These are the buoys that will bring you up so you're not drowning. You have to have the right support system. You have to be in the right place at the right time with the right ideas, new ideas, not old. Do you understand that? So when people say, I can't change, who can change? Nobody can change, I blah, 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 blah. Then you've just written your obituary because you're not making any decision from fear, guilt, shame, insecurity. You're making positive choices by realizing cause and effect. So if I give up negative thoughts, if I give up fear, that immediately allows me to have the energy of exuberance. I can go out and do things that I wouldn't have thought of doing before, been fearful of doing. If I look at my body in the mirror saying, that's not my body today. That's the accumulation of every bad choice I've made up to this point. What body do I want? Now, in the mirror, visualize the body you want. Now, here's where Photoshopping actually works. <laughs> have, have someone Photoshop the body you would like to have. Yeah. And every day, you look at that body and say, today, I'm going to do something to bring me closer to that. And then have a list of how you want to rebalance your brain by becoming more intellectually curious and starting to read things that challenge you by listening to speakers, wise speakers who can give insights. And even if one of the insights out of 20 work, it's a key that unlocks. Remember, the only thing that people like myself who are motivating people can really be effective at is we put the key in the door. You have to open it. If you choose not to open, if you resist, for oh, I'm not sure, no, 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 too, 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 too fast, it's got to go slow, everything's got to go slow, I can't, oh, I can't handle it, I can't handle it, I can't handle it. It's all an illusion, it's bullshit. It's all game that you're playing, but you've mastered the game of resistance. So be smiling when death looks you in the face because that's what you've called, up, called out. Do you understand that? So when people say, I can't change, who can change? Nobody can change, I blah, blah, blah. Then you've just written your obituary. I chose not to change. I'm afraid of change. I'm afraid of what would happen. I'm overly conditioned. I'm a culture. I'm a person. I'm a family. I'm a friend. I'm a teacher. Influenced person. I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. There's no me there. There's composites of everyone else's needs for me that I became, but I'm not. I have no idea who I am. Okay, that's fine. That's a place to begin. Be honest. How can you change if you're not honest about what you need to change?
be afraid to acknowledge your weaknesses because it's only when we're honest about our insecurities or our limitations or the dark side, if you want to call it that, of our being, that we can let it go. Now, in different cultures, they'll have shamans. In American, Native American culture, they'll have a teepee and a sweat lodge and the talking sticks. And we used to do it all the time down in my other ranch, Healing Springs Ranch, with Choctaw Indians who were there. And people had, people had cathartic experiences when they were crying incontrollably after they wrote out letters of apology for things they had said or done to people. And then during this whole prayer ceremony, you burn them. They felt free. We have to free ourselves from the constraints, self-imposed constraints, or societal constraints, or circumstance constraints that we've been living through. You know, when we talk about glass ceilings, you show me glass ceiling, I'll show you someone who's broken it. Now, if they broke it, why can't anyone else break it? Well, you can, but we like to leave, use collective excuses for people who haven't done it and forget the people who have. Right? It's like, no woman running for president. Excuse me, there were a lot of women running for president. We just didn't like them. We, right? my generation of baby boomers, have made. We're responsible for everything that's wrong in America today. We got to own that. The me generation, the selfish generation, buy everything, eat everything, do everything, then become a helicopter parent and a, a parent from hell when you're finally successful and ruin your kids, destroy your kids, and then blame someone else you know, for this mess. No, we created Wall Street. We created you know, the, 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 the massive medical industrial complex, the military industrial complex. Everything is wrong in America. We, my generation, you, we created. Yet when do you hear anybody taking responsibility for that? How are you supposed to change what you cannot acknowledge? So where your journey starting? If you can't be honest about where you're starting, the journey you're going to take is going to lead you nowhere. It's going to be circular, right back to where you came from. Because the journey is based upon fear and conditioning. And it comes right back. And your subconscious say, good for you. You're back home again. Right? Am I right or wrong? You have to start a journey by being confident that what you're about to do, the changes you're about to make, are going to be rebalancing yourself by bringing up ethics and honesty and morality and character and care and, and empathy. So you will care about other people, not just yourself. You'll care about a society, not just your own domicile. You'll care about the hungry children and the homeless children. You'll care about the wars around the country that we, our taxpayers, support and our politicians from both parties and both type of presidents gleefully enjoy and they get kickbacks in the form of you know million dollar lectures and you know 60 million dollar book deals and stupid things that we refuse to acknowledge that they're just a form of payoff so until we can say i i can't talk for anyone else and i don't care about anyone else i'm caring about me getting myself into a better place a healthier place then you begin your journey then you're ready but you can't begin a journey if you don't have those five basics in place. You'll go nowhere. Now, you were at the, John there from California, you were at the last 
anti-aging group, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Come up here for a moment, John, please. You can take your mask off. We're in, uh, everyone is in a quarantine here. We're all healthy, no coronavirus anywhere. Some people have been tested, nothing. It's just excessive caution, and I believe in that. Wearing gloves, alcoholing all surfaces, uh, you know, uh, not being close to people. Now, John, and John's been here for more than two weeks. John, in the first, who were the people most likely and did benefit? And we saw it in their blood chemistry, we saw it in their attitude, we saw it in their body. Who were the people that succeeded? The ones that changed their uh, conditioned behavior. And who were the ones who failed? The ones who didn't. The ones who didn't want to participate, who didn't want to do the work, who wanted to have the work done for them. Uh, the ones who just didn't care for the greater good of the community that we had built. Okay. It was 60 days plus a follow-up at home in your own right. home, each person's home for 30. We did blood chemistries before and after with objective markers selected by the world's leading anti-aging scientists from a major world anti-aging group of scientists, 56,000 scientists. They told us, here's the blood chemistries, here's the exercises, here's the uh, Hamilton depression scale, here's all that you have to do. Then we had to support everything we did with at least minimum of five peer review studies. So if we said you're going to have some spinach in your juice today, I had to have five studies on spinach. If you're going to have blueberries, I had five studies on blueberries. We ended up with over 3,000 studies to support just what they were eating and taking, not including all the studies on meditation and yoga and exercise and power walking and de-stressing. So we had thousands of studies. So the science was there to show if you did it, it would benefit. Now go back to my earlier statement. 500 people, overweight, morbidly obese. And they all are given phenomenal scientifically based information proven to help people, but only the group that did none of the above but changed their disposition benefited and tremendously benefited, right? right. Same thing. So everyone was on the same identical protocol. No one had a different protocol. And yet, one group, the larger group, benefited because when you're supposed to be asleep at night, you were. Another group wanted to go and, you know, uh, chat and, you know, talk and we could hear people yelling at home, you know, to, from, from people at home. So they were bringing that stress in. Well, look, you're here. Don't bring the stress from where you were into this environment. What could this do you to go do meditation? and go do yoga and then get a call from home and suddenly you're all tight and tense again. How smart is that? Well, you know, I've got to... No, you don't. You have no responsibility right now except for yourself to keep yourself on a protocol that could change your life, could change the outcome of your health and your age. And what kind of selfish people in your life would not grant you that time to do it? So if you think you're going to benefit by being on the phone every hour with someone who's unhappy about something, who's got a crisis about something, then why are you here? You're going to be one of the ones, right, who don't benefit. You saw it. You saw the people who were walking around always on the phone, and then you come back and you see their body was tense. No. And John is an example of someone who stuck with it and did it. Now he's come back to be on an advanced protocol which would be very interesting. It's a different protocol. It's very quiet, in silence, 
is very meditative, lots of journaling, three hours a day, every day, out in the sun or with nature. And in the moment of self, contemplating how to bring everything up to the best it can be in their life. That's balance. The best that you have ever been and the best that you ideally could be. That's balance. Nothing that is negative or toxic should be in that equation. Because then you're empowering the negative and the power of negative is so strong, it'll bring that right back down again. So even though you may have desires for something, maybe you're doing something, well, I'm taking some vitamin C, okay, and exactly how that's gonna help you when at the same time you're creating massive free radicals from the stress. And your gut biome is affected. And everything's affected. Your nervous system's affected when you're under chronic stress. So you can't be in a de-stressing, beautiful, serene, healthy, clean environment but bring your stress mindset, your arrogant attitude, your self-righteous indignation in there and expect anything that good to happen. It's not going to. Okay. Well, that then brings us to the end of this particular talk. Thank you very much, John. But I want people to see a real person. And John, I'm, I'm going to mention this because you've mentioned it, unless you have a reason I shouldn't, about lifetime depression. Gone. Gone. How's that possible? Well, it is possible because he changed his perception and he changed his reality. So when I say you got to change your perception, if you want to change your reality, then you have to, then you got to know where am I starting? What tools do I need? What is my incompleteness and how can I eliminate my incompleteness? What do I need to be complete to start the journey? This is just the beginning of the journey for anyone at home. I want, yeah, I want to see everyone healthy and happy, people with no disease. I want to see people smiling and laughing up to the last breath in their life. I want to see people surrounded by people that love them for who they are. I want to see people not seeking love because they manifest their own love. I want to see people who enjoy quiet time as historically people did instead of feeling that every quiet moment is another moment to be immersed in loneliness. I want to see people breaking these cultural norms, the identity politics, you know, the superficial understanding of human nature. We have an app for everything today and, and it's ridiculous. We're human beings. We're vitalists. We have an energy we can exchange, a smile, a mother's joy and kiss and cooing. That's an exchange of energy. Holding hands with a loved one, that's an exchange of energy. Petting your dog and cat or bird, that's an exchange of energy. Those are all positive. Now you just have to ask yourself, how can I make that around my whole life? And that's what you'll be working on. You're the architect, not me. I will never tell you what to believe. I will never tell you what to think. I don't do that. I'm going to never take responsibility for your choices. You have to do that because if you only listen to what I did and did my advice, well, then you're just an extension of me. I want you to be a whole you, not an extension of anyone else. Is that reasonable? And for some people that have never been independent, that's a, that's a challenge. But it's a challenge that we're here to be a support team to help you deal with. Thank you all for listening.